0: Hey guys, I'm super excited to jump into this week's episode. We're going to be talking about church leadership and entrepreneurship. How do these things collaborate? How do we merge them? Are you supposed to be an entrepreneur in all of this space? Really, what I did was I put up a poll or a question on my story and asked you guys, what what are some questions you have about entrepreneurship within the church space? How do we do this? How do we make it happen? And we're going to jump into seven questions that you guys asked. We're going to really just dive into it. We're going to make sure this is super practical for you. Maybe you're looking to add a side hustle. Maybe you already have one, but you're not seeing really results in this. We're going to jump in. Let's do it. So like I said, we have seven questions. And before I do, thank you so much for watching this on YouTube, listening to some podcasts. Make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. And if you can leave a review on our podcast, it helps reach more people. You're listening to this. Seriously, it's been so much fun as we've been growing this podcast. Really, it's only happening because of you listening. So thank you so much for listening. Okay. First question, what do you do and what have you done in business and how does it complement your role as a church leader? Yeah, super super practical here. I've been in the marketing space for about 7 years now. I started out as a content creator in high school and I loved making content centered around the Bible. I would actually just take the U version picture of the day when they did the verse of the day and then make their like little graphic. And I would just ask God like what is, what does my audience need to hear about this? And that kind of developed and blossomed into businesses reaching out to me when I was in college asking, Hey, I see your I see your social media growing. Would you mind sharing how you're doing so? And this turned into, Hey, would you mind running our social accounts because you're growing it? And it started out with just doing a young adult page for the, the church I was at. We grew a ton that turned into doing produce accounts. And what ended up happening is as I was stewarding those audiences and accounts. More businesses, because businesses know businesses, they'd reach out to me. Hey, Josh, do you know how to make a website? Uh, We're looking for some marketer like you to be able to run our website and maintain it, write blogs, whatever. What I would do is just say, absolutely. And I'd research it on YouTube. I'd just study as much as I could to be able to produce a product and a result for them. And it kind of developed into a full-on business. I was in college running a business. I ended up leaving college really to jump full-time into ministry and full-time into the business space, running my own business. It kind of over I think two or three years, we had 15 employees, hundreds of businesses working with them in some sort, whether that be consulting, social management, you get it, all that type of stuff, the marketing world. And as my position in the church was rising, we we're getting more leadership, more ownership, the just as much on the business side. Really, I I got asked to be a consultant, like an advisor for about 150, 200 businesses left my business being the owner and just getting a paycheck from somebody. Uh, They had our benefits, all that type of stuff as we were getting married. That was super important. So for about a year and a half, I was an advisor for about 150 small businesses in Iowa and Nebraska. I would meet them in person. We'd go over their business strategy, their goals, how to communicate to people properly. Obviously, there's a lot of marketing stuff involved with that. And that kind of developed into my current Space. I've been a creative director for two different companies for over a year. On top of that, I do work for a company working with influencer marketing and marketing, really the whole marketing strategy for a company working with over $2 million budget on an annual basis, biannual. We just got approved this year for a bigger budget. We're signing over 200 creators in about three months. We're working really hard on that and doing that, doing content, obviously, this podcast. So that's what I do. And how does it contemplate? compliment your role as a church leader, as being in the church. I've been in the church since I was 15, got saved when I was 15, started leading in the church when I was 17, working in kids and youth. And now have really been in the executive space for three or four years now, loving it. And now we live in California, just stewarding people and not taking a role in a church because we wanted to build a business. So you're asking, how does it complement my role as a church leader? I think it compliments me because I have an avenue or a space to do certain things and it all complements each other. Like you said, the word compliment, that is the answer they complement each other because I'm constantly pivoting on one coffee conversation with a person who's going through some stuff and we're leading them pastorally. But then I'm getting on a zoom call with an influencer who has millions of followers and we're engaging and I'm listening to them. You really learn how to work with people. And that's what I would say to anybody who wants to, be effective in the business world and in the church space. Like you're complementing both, and it's not just one or the other. It's both. And you got to get so good at being aware of people when you're co- having conversations with them in person, on Zoom, FaceTime, even over the phone. What their how, what their tone is like, and being able to read on that type of stuff is going to make you drastically ahead of everybody else. And again, you're not competing against other people. You're competing against yourself. And how you do so is being aware of people. And when you become aware of people and how they're acting and their psyche and their emotions and having empathy for those people and being able to put your, put yourself in their shoes for a mile is what most people would say is empathy. To be able to understand where they're coming from, listening to understand. Again, all this stuff is really to build the kingdom. That's our only mission here. Our mission is to make disciples, build the kingdom, increase the kingdom however we can so if that is through being generous people with our time and our and our treasures being able to build business to be able to sell into the kingdom of god through the church that's that's our avenue that's what we do and and what i'd say is i think we've actually idolized entrepreneurship a little too much everybody wants to be an entrepreneur and i remember saying this to a group of about 150 men all men they asked me to speak on entrepreneurship and i was the youngest one in the room and i was like whatever i really said like hey not everyone's supposed to be an entrepreneur. And just like not everyone's supposed to be a pastor, that's okay. And when we get into the box of, I just, I'm supposed to be an entrepreneur. Or if you're listening to this, you have to be an entrepreneur. You really don't. And what happens is we end up comparing ourselves to other people because we're intimidated by them. And we, so we end up wanting to be them and we model our lives after them, which isn't bad. Again, you can look at somebody model it. But you, if you're not supposed to be an entrepreneur, that's okay. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to be. entrepreneur to be a winner you don't have to be a big leader in the church just steward god's house and be a a disciple maker and serving in the church that is a lie so that's how i complement my roles and what i do and how i've done it and how that that kind of the genesis of that space does so how do you effectively manage your time and balance your church leadership duties with your side business well right now it's kind of flipped so business world marketing that's all my full-time job so really it doesn't matter how do you effectively manage your time is what you're asking and you said balance i know there's like the cheesy leader slogan where it's like it's not about balance it's about rhythm i think that's kind of a joke it's the same exact thing you got to be effective with your time and i remember i don't know i've said this multiple times but i mean you you are the only one who can control your calendar and when you're effective i know i am most effective in the mornings my creative thinking is on the things that i'm thinking about and for vision for our businesses and for the people in my life it's all in the morning so there are meetings that will come up that are urgent that i can't i can't say no to cuz everybody has a boss every boss has a boss every leader has a leader every pastor has a pastor so how do i effectively manage it i'm i steward my calendar my calendar is my best friend and and if somebody can't get on my calendar or they don't have an effective calendar i know that they're not super disciplined in that area which shows me that they're not actually Wanting to grow in that area because at least try, and it, well, maybe you're saying, oh, "I'm just not. I'm not a good calendar guy. That stuff is complicated. I'm not a good calendar guy. I never have been. I I think of my day as more as the three or four things I need to get done, and if I get those things done, then I've won my day. Everything else is just a plus, and that's how I make myself know I'm winning. Is it's important to make sure you feel like you're winning, even if you're not winning, the numbers might not be hitting, the sales might not be hitting growth in your small group might not be growing as much as you thought or anticipated but to make sure that there are there are quantifiable things that you can measure to know this is how I'm winning and a win might look different each day a win might look different each season but how do I effectively manage my time it's super practical i have two different calendar invitation platforms where if somebody's trying to meet with me about an app that i'm working on with a with a company or an influencer is trying to get on my counter to talk about negotiations for a or that system will be able to actually deliver the result I'm trying to do. So a couple of days ago, I put systems deliver the mission on my story. A system is defined it. anything, in my opinion, is to help you drive forward the result that you're doing. A system is something you can download, something that you could use. Really, it's the tool in which you're trying to produce a result. That's just my opinion. So I need to place systems in my life to make sure that I'm going to be successful and to continue to grow as an individual, but also grow the team that I'm building. I have people that report to me on a daily basis, making sure they feel like they are winning. Which, if you don't have systems in place, it's really hard to tell if you're winning or not. So that's how I manage my time. What practical tips can you share for finding a business idea that aligns with your skills? This is super good. I actually, this is like the weirdest blog of all time, but. I read a book when I was super young, like 18, 17, about this concept of how do we actually find the thing that God has designed us to build and steward and own? And what I would say is, what are you passionate about? I, I guarantee if you and I sit at coffee and I say, hey, what, what makes you angry? Like when you see a TikTok come up and it, and it frustrates you and you go, man, this, this is really frustrating. This, is, this angers me or what makes you cry? Or what is a hundred books you could read about one specific topic and you wouldn't be annoyed. You wouldn't get bored of it. You'd be obsessed with learning about it. And really that those simple questions can kind of place the passion place. So when we have a passion, how we turn that into a business is you take your passion and you steward it and you think about an audience. You think about a problem That they are potentially going through. Maybe it's as simple as you're saying, man, I really want to start a coffee shop. Okay. Are you passionate about coffee? Is coffee something that you love researching about, obsessed about? And it might not be coffee. Coffee might just be the avenue of the actual thing you're passionate about. You're passionate about relationships. You're passionate about people interacting with one another, creating a place where people can make friends and steward their friendships and grow together. That might be the bigger picture, but coffee is the avenue to to produce that purpose in your life. And that's the second phase of this is purpose. So you turning passion to a purpose, once it's a purpose, you know that you, you're you waking up on a mission to be able to drive that result in those people that you're thinking about. And you got to have a target audience in mind. You got to think about who is the person that I'm trying to reach with this product or service, even if it's as simple as a mobile car detailing or Again, it doesn't have to be this massive tech company. Think about super practical small business. You're driving a product or a service to produce a solution for an audience's problems. That's what it is. That's what business is. That's what sales is. And really getting obsessed with the problems and kind of soaking in the problems. Maybe take a couple months to just sit and listen or watch video and be obsessed with that problem. Again, those are practical tips you can share for finding a business idea. There's, oh, there's so many businesses that haven't been made because people just don't take the time to research and think about things that you love. Like if you love traveling, maybe it's, hey, I, I want to help other people love traveling. Maybe they get annoyed by it. Maybe they get frustrated. They don't know how to find the right deals. Again, be obsessed with the problems, but you can't just live in that lane. You got to figure out what are you passionate about? What puts fire in your belly is what I like to say. And from there, make sure, you can turn that in to a business. Again, anything can become a business. You can literally make money in thousands of different ways. There's so many different ways. And sometimes, this is a side note, sometimes it isn't starting a business. Sometimes it's just getting a part-time job. Like You don't have to start a business to make a side income. You don't have to start something from ground zero. There's plenty of people who already have a business in your local community who are looking for people to work 10 hours a week to make a couple hundred bucks an extra a month that you're needing. Maybe it's not starting a business. Maybe it's just getting a job. That's what I would say. So are there any specific skills or resources from your experience that have been particularly helpful in running a business? Yeah, I would say, like I said earlier, I think you gotta be obsessed with people. You gotta be obsessed with learning about people. How, how are people interacting with you? How are people interacting with others? Seeing when people... Or walk into a meeting with you, what are their interactions with you? Or like, are they coming in insecure? Are they coming in confident? How do we make people feel in those movements and those interactions really determines our success in entrepreneurship space, but also in the church. Like, You don't want to be the angry, scared guy who everyone is so intimidated to walk up to because you can't actually talk to them. If you're in the church, you're a leader in the church, but also if you're starting a business, you need to be a people person. And every, I don't care who you are, your background, we are all designed to be people, people. You are designed to love people. You're designed to connect with people. And again, I understand that there, are, there are walls and barriers that have maybe developed over time based on experiences with people. But that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that is very obvious and very clear that we all have those struggles and really things that have just happened in our life that those things have built up, but really, the, the question or the answer is be obsessed with people, be obsessed with learning how to interact with people, learn how to ask questions, not so they can think you're a genius, actually asking questions to make them understand the the solution that you already have. Really, that's what we, we would call in the sales space, the discovery phase. You need to ask them proper questions to help them self-discover the thing that you are trying to sell them on. It's as clear as day you have a you have a place where you're trying to get them, but instead of them you just taking them there. Hey, I have the solution to this. You should buy it. They're gonna go. Whoa, I don't want to buy that because people don't like being sold to. Similar, you, your best friend from high school messaged you on Facebook and goes, "Hey, I've been saying that you like go to church. I'm super whatever, like scared of going to church by myself. Would you mind going to me? I, I'm I'm interested in learning more about God. Okay, that's a great example of going." Hey, yeah, you should come with me. Why don't we get coffee? I want to learn more about this experience that you've had at the church. Or, hey, can we get our a call? I just would love to learn more about this. And instead of you going, hey, you just need to buckle up and go to church. You need to go to church more. You need to pray more. That's a horrible pastoral advice. You don't want to just tell people what to do. You want to ask them questions so they can actually unravel the things that they're going on. And if you're not willing to go on the journey with people, please don't be in ministry and please do not get into the entrepreneurship space, especially if you're a Christian, because we are in the people business and the people are hard. If you've been in ministry for more than 10 seconds, you understand that it is a lifelong journey you're, you're signing up for with people and people have trauma. People, You have trauma. I have trauma. And for us to actually work through this stuff together, not only do you gain authority in that space because many people are speaking to things and they don't actually have authority in it because they're skipping the empathy part. You cannot have authority without having empathy. The people who have authority without empathizing with the people are dictators and domineering leaders, which most people do not love them. They're afraid of them. And you can always tell a leader who just creates fear in others because they don't know how to bring up new ideas. They don't know how to innovate. They're really scared puppets, afraid behind the curtain to make a difference on their, their own. They're always looking for that leader. Really what that is, is that's a savior complex because they're so scared of being alone. That leader is scared of being alone. So all that to say, to answer that question, read every book, watch every YouTube video, fail forward of learning how to love and steward people extremely well. How do you address conflicts of interest Maintain and maintain integrity between being a pastor or doing church stuff and your business stuff? Yeah, I think integrity is important having being honestly the the answer is transparency. Like if you are working full time in a church and they're requiring you to work nine to five, you probably shouldn't be doing other stuff at six or four p.m. sorry. Probably shouldn't be doing something at ten p.m. All that stuff, all that what I'm saying is be transparent with whoever your boss is across the board. Hey, this is something super important to me. This is a great example. Work at a grocery store, but you have church on Sunday morning. Being transparent with them before you take the job. Hey, I can't work on Sunday mornings. Going to church is important to me. My faith is important to me. Worshiping God on a Sunday is something that I'm not willing to negotiate on. That isn't going to offend them. It's going to upset them. You're, what you're doing is being proactive. And that's your, that's, your, that's your solution anyways, is just being transparent and being proactive and communicating. Again, you got to be super good at communicating in these lanes. Because communication is key. Communication is everything. Any relationship, 99% of the conflict comes down to poor communication of one person or both of them. So that's how, that's how you address maintaining integrity is being so honest and have accountability. If you're an entrepreneur, you need to find friends who are entrepreneurs, not so you can just like learn from them and take off their market. What you're doing is you're just having a friend. Like Relationships are important that Not just the people you do work with or you work with, but the people that you can laugh with, grow with, challenge each other. And again, like you just said, maintain integrity because integrity is everything. And once you lose integrity, once you are not being the same person as you are publicly as privately, there's a gap in your leadership. And I, I feel like every leader says this, but if you're a leader listening to this, that is the gap. You're closing the gap from who you are privately to who you are publicly and how you get there in in the dark moments in the moments where nobody's watching those are the moments that carry weight and carry integrity and the spiritual side god sees everything you're doing in private and trusts you to be able to steward people and to steward a business because he's seeing that you are a person of integrity so that's what i would say be completely open and transparent tim ross says hot humble open transparent that's how you do it so can you provide insights of marketing and networking strategies that have worked for you as a leader? Yeah, this is a fun one. Networking culture in the church is so weird. I'll say that. This is my opinion. We don't. Networking culture in general is weird because it is so quick to become impure motives. Your motives matter when you're networking. And we've all been there. We all want to have a conversation with that one leader, that one pastor, because we have a motive in our mind that if we can actually get a meeting with them to pitch your idea because they have money, that is not the right motive. And what I would say is that motive will actually carry you two to three months and you will be exposed. You you will be exposed if you have impure motives similar to in the church context if all you want to do is preach, like you the only thing you want to do is this I want to preach, I want to guess speak at other churches or other conferences, that motive will be exposed because when it no longer is attached to the development of people and helping them become more like Jesus and look like Jesus sound like Jesus, our motives shift, and now what we're doing is we're not actually reflecting Jesus because that's our that's our goal. We're supposed to be like Jesus. We're engrafted in the kingdom to look like Jesus because God sees us as Jesus. Therefore, you're not ever gonna be Jesus, but that's discipleship. That's growth, that's sanctification to become more like Jesus, AKA, you don't need a network. Like if God wants you in that room, I promise you, you will be in that room. If God wants you to start that business, there will be wind behind your back. Yesterday, I was on a call with an influencer and she has... So much passion about being an influencer, a content creator, a YouTuber. She wants to start a podcast. I asked her if you have an endless budget, like millions, of hundreds of millions of dollars, what type of content would you create? She couldn't answer this. And these are the questions that we got to think about because that will help you shape what you're working towards. And I'm not saying don't work, I'm not saying don't grind, I'm not saying don't chase success. I think that is all oh, great. God wants you to be successful, God wants you to be a person. Of of leadership, of impact, of influence, and you don't have to be a manipulator to get into those rooms. You don't have to be manipulate your way into that leadership role. Again, all that stuff will be exposed, and at the end of the day, now you're going to have to take years to rewrite perceptions of people in the bigger space because as you manipulate, you can you can actually take on more of a a domineering spirit in the group of people you're in to influence the sphere of influence God puts you in and now you're actually taking it and making it about yourself instead of reflecting the person who put you there. God. So marketing and networking strategies, what I would say is be obsessed with learning about your motives and having self-awareness to say, man, I'm feeling kind of weird today. I don't know if I should, I should take that call because I might, I might try to manipulate them or, and that stuff will happen once you have a friend or a, a, a pastor or a therapist or a counselor or a coach, whatever you want to call it, to help you challenge those motives, those things that drive you. Because what, what drives you really is the thing that, like I said, your passion. And the passion is the, the product or the thing in front of you that you love to do. It's basketball, right? But the internal thing is I want to be healthy. I want to be a person of integrity. I want to be a transparent person. I want to be a successful person. All those things, again, can be stewarded and can be great but if we have impure motives if we're the person who's constantly chasing something that other people have a huge term right now is the parasocial relationships where you think that you actually know people because you follow them and you've seen basically behind the curtain of all their social content you watch it all and you pick up their traits and you go i know them and then you meet them and they're not that person Again, because there's a gap and there's only 10% of our lives on social media. All that to say be obsessed with your motives, be obsessed with integrity, and do everything that you would willing to do in public and private. If you're a preacher, you better preach to nobody in your room. You better practice. If you're a person in sales, you gotta think about those sales calls, those cold calls. If you're a, a lead pastor, thinking about 10 years ahead, you better be thinking about the vision of that church. What I'm saying is vision, motives, integrity. These are words that I think are great. I think they're positive words. And what happens is we don't, we actually mute those words out because of the fact we've heard them so much. We think, oh yeah, that's just too practical for me. They're not too practical. If you understand math, if, again, if you understood the third, fourth, fifth grade math, you could graduate high school. But if you missed out on those years and you didn't take it serious, once you get to junior year, you're going to go, man, I really wish I would have taken time to learn in fourth grade. That was me, by the way. I did not take time to learn math. And now I'm like doing math equations all day. like What in the heck? But what I'm saying is be obsessed with your motives. Be obsessed with integrity. Be obsessed with accountability, having people in your world who are going to check you Thank you for asking that question. I think it's important. Last question, and then we'll kind of wrap up. What advice do you have for maintaining a healthy work-life balance? I feel like I get asked this question about every single Q&A, but what I would say is where you place weight or where you place value is where you place your time. So you need to prioritize, list out every single thing that you have responsibility for on a sheet of paper and list them out in a priority rank. My guess would be, if you're listening to this, Your walk and relationship with Jesus, your relationship with your spouse, if you have one, your job, and if you're not working in a church, then your your local church, your friends, your community, the people that you love. If you don't believe in Jesus, your friends, the people you hang out with on the weekend. My guess would be that is the bigger themes of your life. Now break it down even farther. Okay, my relationship with God, what does that look like? Prayer time, Bible time, study time. Maybe you're watching a sermon or something your spouse? When are you guys having date night? When are you going to be working together on your projects together after work? When are you hanging out? When are the nights where you're going to have free to yourself? List these things out. And then it goes back to the first question that somebody asked me was about systems and maintaining this type of stuff and effectively managing your time. Now what you do is you put all those, those things that you value and you place it in a system. You put it on your calendar. You put your Bible out in the right space so you can see it when you wake up. It's James Clear, Read Atomic Habits. It's super, super easy to read that book and apply it. But you got to be able to understand that a season isn't forever. So there might be a season where you're working super hard. You might be working late and to be able to over communicate with your spouse or your friends or your pastor. Hey, these are things that are going on. I might be working late. I might be coming home, whatever, at four instead of five. I'm coming home early because I need to go in. At seven instead of eight. Um, Over communicate and know that where you place your time, what you do with that time, is what your priorities are in your life. So don't tell me you want to grow in your relationship with God if you're not prioritizing time with Him. Don't tell me you want a healthy marriage if you don't spend time with your spouse or don't have a date night. Again, we're all not—we're not perfect. We're not people who just have everything figured out. But all this to say doing better than you think you are, if God wants you in that space, I promise you he will sustain you. And every time you ask God for more strength, he's going to give you opportunities to stretch. There's going to be seasons of stretch. There's going to be days of stretch. And in those moments, those are the days, the days that you don't want to work, the days that you don't want to pray, the days you don't want to love on your spouse more than you should. Those are the test days, not And maybe it is God. Maybe it's just your personal intuition to grow and make you a better person, a better leader, a better pastor, a better husband, a better dad, all that to say, God is working on your behalf. I love you. I appreciate you listening to this podcast. I hope that some of this context of these questions helps you, encourages you to keep working, to keep grinding. There's so much ahead. And we all say this, right? The best is yet to come. But I actually believe that the best is yet to come in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your workplace. You can do this. You can be successful. And success simply, in my opinion, is obedience. If God's asking you to do it, be obedient. Say yes. Do it. Do it with all your heart, soul, and strength. I appreciate you. We'll see you next week.